Hey, what's up, everyone? My name is Nathaniel Pena. I am the host and the founder of the Relive with Confidence podcast. I just want to tell you guys all, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this with me. Uh, today, I have a very special guest, someone I'm real excited to have about on here. His name is Kip Sorensen. He is a part of the Iron Council, which, as you guys know, is one of the masterminds I'm a part of here. Um, before I jump into this, we're going to talk about Relive with Confidence today, which is, stands for Renew Energy, Live Intentionally, and Value Everything with Confidence in Our Life. And Kip is a perfect representation of how to do that with your life and still have how to relive with confidence in your own life and still master that family balance and work life that I'm trying to figure out here, which is why I wanted to have him on here. So Kip, if you would introduce yourself and kind of kind of tell everyone who you are here. Yeah. First off, you know what? I, I love your definition of the podcast and, and relive and what that stands for. I think that's profound. Um, and I don't know, actually your intro, I'm like, yeah, you know what? Like intentionality is, is super important and, and having confidence, but most importantly fighting for it. Cause it's just like everything else in life, man. If we're not constantly fighting for it, we'll lose it. It doesn't matter what it is, right? Whether it's our families confidence or anything else for that matter. So very, very cool stuff. So Kip Sorensen. Yeah, no worries. Uh, Kip Sorensen. Um, I am actually a, a consultant by trade. I'm a, now a chief people officer. So I'm actually over people within a consulting firm here in Salt Lake City. I contribute on the Order of Man podcast. And Nathaniel, as you know, I, I help uh, within the leadership arm of the Iron Council and, and been doing that really, geez, it feels like it's been forever, but uh, probably about for the last five, six years or so. So um, been really part of that conversation around improving ourselves. Um, and it's something that um, I'm on that path of constantly fighting my internal demons and my natural human tendencies to try to become a better person. And I fall short often, um, but I'm always willing to get back on the path. And and I'm excited for our conversation. I mean, the, the conversation, whenever you have a conversation around attempting and trying to become better, we're all just going to get edified regardless of, of almost who you're speaking with, in my opinion. So, uh, so I'm excited, Nathaniel, to be on. Well, thank you. That's huge. And I'm really excited. It's something you've touched on a couple of times that I, uh, you already said fighting, which is fighting for your confidence and fighting for everything in life. Now I talk yeah. about this, um, which is, you know, you, you have to fight for, for everything, right. And how to, how to be a better person, fight for your marriage, fight to be the man, the, the husband, the father that you want to be, and still fight for the person that you know that you are and not put on a, uh, a kind of a shell that is very easy to, to put on, you know, it's, it's very easy to say that I'm a plumber because I do plumbing all day or to say that, you know, Kip is, I'm a consultant because we do consulting for a living. So to, to break out of that outer shell and to say like, this is who I am, you know, I'm a father, I'm a, I'm a podcast contributor. I'm a, I, I help contribute with people's lives and empower them to do better. It's huge. And I like that a lot, but will you take it one step further than so many other people? Because you actually fight for for fun, right? I mean, my for jujitsu, yeah. right? Um, <laughs> yeah, for fun. People say it's fun. I don't know if it's fun sometimes. I I struggle even going to that sometimes, you know, because it's not always fun. I never regret it, right? But it's That's not it. always fun. And so, yeah. what what exactly do you do? You do uh, you do jujitsu, right? Correct. Brazilian wow. jujitsu. Been training for geez, roughly about fourteen years. Wow, that's huge, and that takes yeah. that's a lot of commitment. So talk talk a little bit about that because I. I know nothing about jujitsu, but that's actually, like I said, taking it a step further and putting that fighting that everyone talks about into action. So I, I, I like that yeah. a lot. 
Um, do you want me to talk to the benefits or why train, or do you want the, yes. a little bit of an intro of what is jujitsu? Maybe a little bit of both. Or both. Yeah. Let's do okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, and, and I mean, you're getting me on a soapbox, man. I, I could take up the next hour just talking about this. So I'll, I'll rapid fire this. So a lot of people don't know this, and this is kind of the fun intro to jujitsu. This is a story I like to tell. So we all know what UFC is, right? One of the fastest growing sports in the world is, is mixed martial arts. And typically we know about the, the top promoter, uh, which is Dana White and, and the ultimate fighting championship. Right. UFC started back in the nineties on an Indian reservation in Colorado. It was started by a family from Brazil called the Gracies. And back then in the nineties, it was always this idea of whose martial art is the best, right? And everyone run their mouth that it was karate, or if it was, uh, tai Chi, or if it was wrestling, or if it was sumo, or whatever. And what the Gracies end up doing is more or less, and 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 this is the kind of the term we would have used back in the '90s, right? They establish a cockfighting hmm. on an Indian reservation with a cage, no rules. Uh, you couldn't bite, and you couldn't eye gouge. That was it. But groin <laughs> shots were allowed. You could pull hair. Wow. It was no gloves. And there was uh, no weight limit either, okay? And it was a bracket tournament style. So if you won your first round, you move to the next round. So literally you would have an MMA fight and then another one and another one, depending on how large that bracket was, okay? Wow. The first UFC was pay-per-view only. The, um, we're talking old school, like probably even before you were born, like VHS <laughs> tape, you'd have to go to Blockbuster <laughs> to go rent it, right? Like that's how old school this was. Huh. And the Gracies did this on purpose so they could highlight Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And they took one of their younger brothers, Hoyce, they put him into the UFC, and he destroyed. And he destroyed and walked through people. This guy, Hoyce, is probably like 165 pounds wet, you know, super small guy, Kempo karate guys, went against us, like their sumo wrestlers in there. A boxers, all kinds of like martial arts and the world changed martial arts changed. And, and for the first time, uh, not maybe the first time, but publicly, you know, on a broad scale for the first time, it was clear that a particular martial art was superior to others. And that was, in my opinion, that was the beginning of mixed martial arts, because what happened is maybe Ken Shamrock wasn't willing to give up his martial art per se, but he still had to address jujitsu. And so he started having to learn jujitsu. Karate guys had to learn to defend takedowns, right? Like it forced everyone's hand to deal with jujitsu. If you're not going to be a jujitsu player, that's okay, but I got to be able to defend it. And when you look at UFCs now, all MMA fighters address it. They have to address it. And if they don't, they'll lose by it. And so that's kind of the origins of, of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. That's, um, that's really cool, actually. Me personally, yeah, me personally, I, re I remember watching those UFCs when I was in high school. Uh, a buddy of mine, he had those, uh, Rich uh, York or Sasania, and we watched him. And I remember feeling sick in my stomach going, oh, my gosh, it's so brutal, you know. And um, and I remember watching him, and, and we found some purple belt guy that would come down from a larger city, and he would teach – jujitsu. I, it didn't resonate with me. I remember going a couple of times going, yeah, you know what? That's uh, I don't really necessarily want to roll on the ground with a bunch of guys. You know, I just want to punch people standing up. So I, I appreciated it, but I didn't want to do it. 
And then back in, geez, probably 06, um, that same buddy was like, Hey, you ready to start training yet? And I'm like, all right, fine. I'll start training. And, uh, been training in Salt Lake, moved to DC, changed, trained underneath a guy by the name of master Dalla, then trained with uh, Vitor Shaolin in New York. And then back here to Utah, where I train at a school called unified and been doing it since, and we'll do it until I die. And that's not, I, I that doesn't, that's not extreme for those who train. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lifestyle, uh, the, the mental and emotional benefits of jujitsu is substantial and i could we we could draw parallels between life lessons and brazilian jiu-jitsu for hours on end i mean it, it is profound and and what's profound about it if you don't mind me like adding some a little yeah, bit more yeah, meat yeah. and value to this is i go into a gym and i voluntarily decide to train with people that are better than me they can beat me they can submit me they can make me uncomfortable and, and I struggle and I fight for my life. And, and, and that sounds a little extreme, but that's the game we're playing, right? Like right. Nathaniel, if, if you and I are training and I get you in a rear naked choke and I reduce blood flow to your brain, you know, 10 seconds or so you're passed out 20 to 30 seconds, you're dead, hmm. right? That's the game we're playing. Right. And we have this nice little rule that says, you got me, I got you, and we tap and you let go. And I trust that you'll let go. I sure hope you'll let go. <laughs> and and that's the game we play. And, and when we play that game, your body feels highly uncomfortable. Your body's like every soul and ounce of me is trying to prevent and control my emotions and control my anger and my ego and how I look and what does it mean if I get submitted? And it just, you're forced to deal with yourself. And, and one of the other powerful things about jujitsu is there's no hiding. There's no hiding. You could be a tough guy. You could walk around like you're a tough guy or whatever, but you come onto the mats, everyone will know if you're weak or not. Hmm. I like and that you can't lot. hide it. And guys can't. And that's why, to be frank, that's why a lot of people start jujitsu and quit because they're unwilling to deal with the reality that they're weak hmm. and they don't want to face the music. So they want to posture outside the gym and act like a tough guy. And it's, it's a, it's a, it's a humble pill, right. <laughs> to go into a gym and say, everyone in here can kick my ass, including the, you know, five ten girl that, that, you know, I'm almost double her weight. Hmm. That's it. That's a tough thing to deal with. That is, that's a very, um, very humbling thing. I like I like that a lot. And I think some for me, I think why I'm so finding such a, a big draw towards like the jujitsu or the, the actual training, you know, I, I wake up and I I stretch and I do the workouts and you know I'm I'm starting to stay on very consistent with that sort of thing. But when it comes to dealing with like real life situations, if there's ever something that um actually were to occur, you know, David Goggin talks about this all the time that's why he goes running and why he constantly calluses over his mind is so when something like real life happens, you get a call, your wife or kids or someone is in danger, you're, you're able to mentally know how to handle that. But the other part of that, which is, I really like what you kind of touched on there with jujitsu is it does kind of challenge your ego. It challenges your anger and makes you learn how to deal with all these things in an uncomfortable situation. So when you do deal with life, you know, like 
um, something as simple as your kids, right? I say something as simple as your kids, even though they're they're real good about getting right they're, under. They're, they they might be harder than jujitsu sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a that's which is true, but that's why I think you touched on it, which is so huge. The jujitsu part of it, which is challenging the anger and challenging all those parts of yourself. Then, so when you're when you do have a situation with the kids or with the wife or with work or whatever comes up, you already know how to deal with the anger. You already know how to, I mean, deal with real levels of stress and you can stay a lot more calm with those situations. I mean, that's just kind of me looking at it from the outside. I know that's something that I struggle with personally is staying level-headed all the time. Right. So I think doing something like jujitsu would be, would be huge to look into. So I I like that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, there is, there is so much confrontation in your own mind that comes with that. I mean, in the early, and that's why you see in the early days, you know, uh, guys practicing jujitsu will overreact. They'll, they'll get angry. Their ego will get in the way. They'll get frustrated uh, if they get tapped by someone else. Hmm. And then you look at higher belts and it's almost like they're playing. They're chill. They're relaxed. They've, they've done their reps. Huh. And and they don't let certain things phase them. It's not because they're better. It's not like they're, it's not at a root of their skill set being better. It's their minds have they, gotten conditioned the and they know how to master the mind. Yeah. I like yeah, that for sure. That's smart. That's really cool. That's huge. And so I kind of um, want to kind of jump into the next thing. Cause I kind of, kind of sparks it. Yeah. You kind of touched on it. You said at one point you kind of started training in life, right? Like you, you tried it. And, you know, you realize that you, you weren't going to maybe not stay consistent with it, or it wasn't the time for you. Right. Or, um, and now you were able to, at, at that other point in your life, hone in and say, all right, now's the time 14 years later, you're still very consistent with it. And that's a lot of thing. Like that's something that I want to touch on and figure out at what point or what, how did you decide in life? Like, okay, now I'm going to learn how to be consistent. I'm going to learn how to start doing things more to a point where I'm not just going to half, excuse my French, but half ass them all the time, you know, start, stop, start, yeah. stop something. And I think, I don't know, maybe if it was jujitsu for you, but I, I asked that to everyone, like what, at what point did you kind of really make that realization? Like, okay, I'm going to start working on myself and do this for a lifelong thing. Totally. Well, and I think um, it wasn't jujitsu that started that for me. It was actually other areas, but I, but I think the mindset on the jujitsu side is a perfect example. When I first started training, why did I even start? It was because I wanted to be tough. I wanted to look cool. And I wanted to say that I did jujitsu because that would, you know, make me look cool. Right. That's it. Hmm. That's fleeting. <laughs> right. That, that, that's the move of the needle. That's not impactful. One of the examples that we use, or I use a lot in Iron Council when we talk about our visions, right, is they need to move, touch, and inspire you. Let's not move, touch, and inspire. That's never going to be enough, right? If I'm, if my objective of going to the gym is to uh, get the accolades and the approval of other individuals, well, eventually that bar gets set. And guess what? It's not good enough. So it's more. Oh, it's not good enough. Then it's more. It, it's never going to crave the thirst. Hmm. But when it's something bigger than ourselves, right? When it's something greater than that, then it will quench our thirst and it will be sufficient. 
And so when I, when I went to train the second time, it wasn't about looking good. In fact, I didn't want to go, right? Hmm. Like I'm like, but I need to. And why? And are you ready? Here's why I ended up sticking with it. Because I was uncomfortable. I knew that this was an area I got my ass beat as a kid constantly when I was younger in elementary school and middle school, a little bit in high school, but I was picked on constantly. That's a whole other story we can talk about someday, but like, but, but I was bullied. Right. And, and so I had this fear of conflict, this physical conflict with other individuals. And I was like, yeah, I need to address that because it's affecting how I show up as an individual and it's affecting my self-confidence. It's bigger than just looking good. It was something I needed to address. And so I stuck with it. Now, the irony was, is I got way more out of jujitsu than I ever thought I would have gotten, right? No, no one had this conversation with me where I was like, really, I can get all these other benefits from it. It was just like, learn a martial art. It'll be, you'll be, you'll, you'll, you'll be a bad A, right? Like, <laughs> you know, no one actually have communicated all the benefits. And so I found those out as I went down that path um, and became better. But, but I think that's the answer, right? To your question is like, it, it's got to be bigger than ourselves. It's, it's, it's got to move, touch and inspire us. And, and I, and I think we can ask the deeper wise on almost all things and, and get really to a place where um, it's not about you. It's not about looking good. It's not about any of those things. It's actually really big deal. And I, and I actually think most of us are not aware of the impact that we have in this world. And, and I think some of it is because we downplay it because we don't want that accountability. That's huge. That's a, that's a, that's a big one is the accountability is to, to all of it is, is, I think that might be a reason why a lot of people don't even get started. I mean, I know all the, a lot of people have the ideas of uh, um, trying to, trying to do better, trying to, trying to do certain things, but I think they lost that accountability for themselves over time, which, which is a very hard thing. And I, I, I lean it more towards like the confidence is what I, I lean it more towards is like they lost their, their confidence at some point in their life, which if it could have been from growing up, getting, you know, getting bullied as a kid or growing up and not having parents that actually listened to you. And you were just trying to be a kid, figuring it all out or getting told no and constantly beat down. So the point where now you're an adult and all, you know, is just kind of ride out and, you know, you just show up and never Keep do it head down. And yep. exactly. Which, which is huge. So that's, that's kind of another thing I wanted to kind of wanted to, I guess, maybe touch on with you, which is how, how do you, how did you kind of make that, that change? What made you decide to like, all right, I'm going to stand out. This is, I'm going to become a, a big person, you know, um, in the, I, I say that's the wrong verbiage, but become a, um, a bigger person in the iron council and help more empower more men in life, be, do jujitsu to empower myself and kind of start to stand out. What, what was that for you? Yeah. How, did, how did you do that? Yeah. I, I think for me, um, a lot of people might know this already, but um, you know, when I was, geez, how, how old are you, Nathaniel? 25. 25. Okay. So, so at 25, Let's see. Let me do the, do the rough math. I had two kids, um, a five-year-old, a five-year-old and a three-year-old. That's right where I'm at. Um, second home, uh, divorced, and the house of cards was crumbling down around me. And, and I really had two options 
going through that experience. I could walk away um, from a divorce as a victim, right? I was like, this is not what I want. This is what she wants. What was me? I did nothing wrong. I never cheated. I don't be, you know, like I came up with all the extreme scenarios of why she should not want to ever leave me. I'm a good dad. Like I had the story. Right. I had the story that, that um, I was amazing and all the bad things in my life was a result of someone else and not mine. And um, I don't know what made it click. Um, I think I, I, I believe that we have kind of two choices in life. I, I think we can proactively learn and grow or life will make sure we do. <laughs> and in that example, life made sure I needed to grow. And I was in a very humbling place. And I came to the, the realization that my marriage was failing because of me. 100%. How I showed up, no wonders why she didn't want to be with me. I was a miserable individual. I was negative. I provided, contributed zero other than a paycheck, right, for, for a home. I was disengaged. I made other things a priority over my, my children uh, and my wife. And I wanted to make sure that I wasn't go, th go through that experience ever again. And I got really present to what I created. I created the world in which I had, and I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. It was miserable. And um, I swore to myself that like that wasn't going to happen again. And I wasn't going to do that again. And um, mostly because of the pain and suffering and what it meant, right? Because right. that's the other thing, right? And this is another term you may have, I use a lot, you know, we're meaning making machines. And anyone getting divorced, there's a lot of meaning being made. Right. I'm not good enough. It's the ultimate rejection. This person that knows you better than anyone else says they don't want to be with you. They would rather be on their own and raise kids by themselves than be with you. Man, it's a hard pill. That sucks. Yeah, That's a hard pill to swallow. And so um, I swallowed that pill, but most importantly, um, I latched onto the idea that 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 I need to take extreme ownership before I even read the book, or actually before the book was even written. Um, 100% accountability, and I got really present. Most importantly, to all the areas I was out of integrity, all the white lies, all the lack or the uh, held back communication and expression. I was out of integrity in so many areas of my life. It was ridiculous, hmm. and it was exhausting, and so. That was kind of the catalyst that that started me off was like, man, I don't I want to be who I want to be. And I can and I really did believe this and I still believe this, that I could create myself. And so if I didn't like who I was. I can't do anything about yesterday, I can't even do anything about how I showed up this morning, but what I can't control is how I show up right now. And I constantly had that renewal of this is how I'm going to show up in the moment. This is who I choose to be as a man, and I'm going to reinvent myself. Hmm. And who I am is, is the possibility of whatever I come up with. That's huge. 
that's a and man power power to you for even being able to admit like a story like that and swallow a pill like that that's a that's a hard thing i went um i i did something very very similar my wife and i went through um a divorce uh, a separation period i woke up after like a week-long bender and realized that her and the kids were gone for three days and uh come to find out that when I realized the papers were on my desk, that she was divorced and done and she wanted nothing to do with me. That was a hard, a hard thing to swallow. And I very easily, we could make excuses. And so for the fact that you were able to swallow that pill and take the first step, which is to renew yourself and understand that you were the problem, just like I had to admit that I was the problem. My wife, you know, like that's a, that's a huge step. And so moving like how, how, how were you able to, again, like, all right, so say you said that this is who I'm going to be, right? This is who I'm going to, or who I was, and I can't start to do that anymore. Was it just like an instant, this is, this is it, like day one, and you started to stay consistent, or did you fall off still a couple of times? I mean, you kind of touched on it in the beginning a little bit, but I know I still do. I still wake up and there's this, you know, not this morning, but Valentine's day was a perfect day. Uh, I pissed my wife and kids off in the morning and there was nothing I could do about it, but we <laughs> regrouped at lunchtime and, you know, ended up having a perfect half of the day, second half of the day. So that's, a uh, I want to kind of want to get your, per, your perspective on that side yeah. of it a little bit. You know what? I feel, I still screw up. Are you kidding? <laughs> you know, I, my default behavior is, uh, to stonewall my wife. If, something's not the way I think it should be. And I add meaning to it and I overreact emotionally and I withdraw the way I express love as a form of punishment and coercion in regards to, you know, how she's showing up. Are you joking? All the time, all the time. Um, I have to constantly check myself, right? Like, you know, e even now, like full, full disclosure, right? <laughs> For whatever reason, you know, I'll give you an example. Uh, it was my birthday last week and, um, Happy birthday to you, by both, the way. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Both of my daughters in, in my birthday card, they made a cute card and they, they wrote, you know, dad, we love you or whatever. Right. In one card, it said, dad, I know you're mad. And, and it's because my birthday's on my um, on the anniversary of my dad's death. Right. And so she's like, I know you're mad and you don't want to celebrate your birthday, but we want to celebrate your birthday. Please let it go. How translation Kip, how you're showing up in the world affects us. Yep. So get over yourself, stop feeling sorry for yourself and actually show up like a man. So we can enjoy you. Hmm. And it, and it took my 11 year old to let me know that. So like, yeah. uh, there's always areas, man, there's always areas, but, but most importantly that, and I think this is, we don't give up, right. That there's, that we don't lose hope that when I read a thing like that, I don't get pissed off and whatever I go, man, thanks. Yeah. Right. And then I renew with myself that like, man, how I show up matters. And I need to stop feeling sorry for myself or, or realize, get present back to what we were saying earlier, the impact of how we're showing up. Huh. And even if it feels justified, even in this little example where I feel justified, you know, feeling sorry for myself, woe is Kip, his dad died on his, died on his birthday. Oh, you know what I mean? Like, I want to soak in the, the empathy and the sadness of it all. But guess what? 
I got a daughter that that is feeling the repercussions of me not hmm. um, with my with with me withdrawing from them because of of me dealing with something else. Man, that's a that's a huge way to be able to look at things in life because not a lot of people would would be able to stop and look at that card and value the fact that their daughter is calling out for calling out for them. And it like, I mean, really it's that that's huge because it's a, uh, not, not a lot of people could do something like that, man. So, uh, power, oh, power, power to you there. Uh, sorry. We, I just got a, got the warning. So we got about 10 minutes yeah, yeah. Left on this episode. <laughs> um, like everyone knows I do have the free, the free version here. So we're working on that, but that's, that's, that's huge, man. Power, power to you for that. And that takes, uh, that takes a lot of time. And one thing I'd say is being around other people, other men that are also working on bettering themselves and working on renewing their energy with their family and finding the value to, to be more intentional and have integrity in life to you got to surround yourself with those men if you're if you're just doing it by yourself and i mean most men which most men are they're they read that card that they get from their daughter and they get angry because they're they don't have other men that look at things called out yeah yeah exactly (laughs) they get called out but back to doing the jujitsu being a part of the iron council being part of uh you know apex whatever you're a part of having other people that you call you out in other real situations so when it comes time to back to or in training situations, I'll call those. So when it comes to real life situations, you're able to look at that card and say, okay, this is how I need to move forward and be, be more present with the family, which is, which is huge. That's awesome. I like that kind of made me realize things. Well, and that's the power of the conversation, right? Like I'm renewed just by sharing the story. Right. And, and whenever people are sharing of what they're working on, it creates possibilities for others for them to reflect in their life. Right. If you share a story with me of something you're struggling with, you don't think I'm going to be like internalizing going, yeah, you know what? I kind of do that too. And, you know, and like, and, and now you create options for me to consider for myself and how I show up and what adjustments I need to make in my life. That's the power of the conversation. And that's why it's so important that guys are having these conversations that they're working through whatever's that they're working with, not by themselves because it doesn't benefit anybody else. And it helps me to even share and it helps me to hear. And and we need to remember that. That's huge. I I like that. Well, well, thanks for that. And thanks for doing this conversation with me again. There is one, two, two last things I wanted to touch on with you here while I'm going through my, my notes. Um, One last thing that you kind of, I'm sure you've had to work on. And maybe I know for me, when I realized um, my wife and I were going through a lot of problems, the problem was that I thought my wife wanted a check. They just were, you know, we have the, the quote unquote American dream. You know, I bought the biggest house in the neighborhood. It's blue. We even put a big American flag in the front yard, right? Like my wife stays home. I got the two beautiful boys and you know, whatever the whole American dream and come to find out that my wife was not happy at all. Right. Because the one thing they were missing was the one thing that was me and was, I was there. I wasn't present. I wasn't actually there because I was so tired, quote unquote, or exhausted from the things I was doing in life. Yeah. The, exactly. And the work-life balance I had completely sucked. Like it just was horrible. And so I'm not, I I'm sure being a consultant, that's another industry, grueling industry, like plumbing, not you know, like plumbing where you're constantly on the phone, you're constantly on, you know, dealing with meetings or dealing with people. And that's mentally draining to the come home and deal with the kids. And I, I say deal with the kids. Cause that's in that mindset, that's where we're at instead of going home and yeah. enjoying the kids and, you know, how, how did you kind of make that shift and what are some things you're doing now to kind of help 
keep that work-life balance better. Yeah. This is an area I struggle with, right? Work is in my mind. I lay down, more things cross my mind. And and it's and and to be fair, it's on my mind because I love it. I love what I do. Right. I really love what I do. And um, and I find huge fulfillment. It's not a nine to five for me, right? I, I find impact and change even in my job. And and what we're creating here at this consulting firm is the a culture that is superior to all of the company cultures, a place where employees are self-directing, they show up powerfully in their jobs, they're trusted to show up and we love what we do, right? And, and we're really present to the impact that we leave for our clients. So it's hard to let go of that, right? right. And and it come, but it does come with stress. It comes with um, a lot of chaos, and and that is a struggle of mine to come home and like disconnect and be happy, right? And and I I'm kind of a stoic, right? Like my my wife gives me a cool present. I'm like, oh, thanks, honey, right? She, she expects me to dance around and like, well, you know what I mean? It's just not it's not my jam, right? I, I'm kind of stoic on difficult things, and I'm stoic on the on the great things. I don't, I still appreciate them, but I don't, I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm, I'm, not, less, I'm, I'm more grumpy and less expressive as I get older, but, but nonetheless, it's, it's something that I need to work on. Now, with that said, the things that have worked for me is I need to stop thinking today's an exception. I actually think today's the exception, Nathaniel. I think, well, today's the exception, man. Today is a really bad day and a really busy and blah, blah, blah. And I have this whole story to justify my lack of showing up powerfully today because I think today's the exception. Hmm. And the reality of it is tomorrow is going to be a lot like today. And the day after that is a lot like today. And guess what? It's not an exception. And in fact, even the mindset of tomorrow is a word that defines something that does not even exist. Tomorrow doesn't exist. I don't have tomorrow. I have no guarantee of that. I just have now. That's Hmm. all I got this very moment. And so getting present to that idea that this is not an exception. And the time I have with my kids is not tomorrow. It's not later week. It's now. Right. That's it. That's all I got. Hmm. And, and this was one thing that was really beneficial with my parents is when they were got, getting older, I think, well, how often do I visit them? Maybe twice a summer. And my dad's 75. Guess what? I probably have 10 visits left. 10, that's it. 10 visits with my father. That's not very much time. And so getting present to the time that we have and that it's fleeting and that there's no guarantees of anything is probably number one. Number two would be, I have a vision I I read. Uh, I read it when I journal in the morning and I'm not doing this now, but perfect example of the power of the conversation. Guess what? I'm doing it now. I'm doing it today. Because I'm reminding myself like, hey, that was powerful when I did that. And I read that vision before I walk in the house. So I sit in my truck, I pull that out and I read that. I like that. And what that is, is my ethos or how I need to show up as in the world before I walk in that door. 
That's huge. I like that a lot. That's really cool. That's uh, ha and having that vision in front of you is 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 huge because that's uh, that's one thing that if you don't know what we're talking about, you can find out more information from the Iron Council. Kip will tell you about that. He'll also tell you how to connect with him here in a minute, so you can find out how to create a vision and properly structure that. So structure that so you implement it in your life and actually show up and find the value in the fact that today is just the day that we have. We don't have we don't have another tomorrow is not promised what we did in the past we we can only learn from nice. it and value what we have now so that is that is huge because that is something that i constantly find myself falling short of or thinking of well you know i messed up today or you know i'm busy right now and well tomorrow we'll just make sure that we put that family time in or tomorrow i'll make sure that i i give my wife the time that she she is craving for at the end of the day just some connection time right um instead of today is I don't know if I'll have tomorrow night to sit down and do it and, and putting the, the phone down, the time aside to value what we have now is huge. So I like, I like that a lot, man. That's huge. Um, yeah. Last, last thing I do want to, before we get off of this call today, I know you're a busy guy. So thank you so much for, for taking the time to do this with me. What are some ways that uh, people that are listening to this can connect with you? Cause you are, you're a very busy man. You're doing a lot on social media as well. And uh, what are some ways people to see what you're doing? Yeah, for the most part, you can you can connect with me on Instagram. That's Kip at Kip Sorensen. That's K-I-P-P-S-O-R-E-N-S-E-N. -S -E and then of course, you know, we mentioned earlier, so I'll do the shout out to the Iron Council. Uh, if you want to learn more about the Iron Council, go to orderofman.com slash Iron Council. We would love to band with like-minded, like-minded men. I mean, that's that's what needs to happen. And and Ryan and I, we don't have a scarcity mindset right? This, the, the movement is not about order of man. The movement is about helping men. And however we do that, we need to do it. That's huge. And I'll, uh, I, I like that a lot. I'll tell you guys, I've been about part of the iron council now for just about a year. And, uh, the amount of, there's been a lot of growth and change in my life from co connecting with people like Kip, like Ryan and other people in that, that network of, of men. Um, and with that being said down below in the description, I'll make sure that I put Kip's Instagram so you guys can connect with him there as well. And, uh, Kip, I just wanted to tell you, man, thank you for uh, doing this conversation with me. It really inspired me to go, uh, move forward with the rest of the day and relive with some more confidence in my life. And, uh, I took a little bit of notes while we were talking to, uh, sit down and actually look at some things more. So I appreciate the time and uh, we'll, ha we'll have to talk again some more. For sure. Thank you, Nathaniel. Right. Of course. Bye now.